This week's parsha, the second one, is called Kedoshim Holy, and it begins with the command, Kedoshim Tihidu, you shall be holy. Or, you shall make God holy. Um, to sanctify God, we could call it, to make God holy. Now, we do that in a number of different ways that we can make God holy. One way the Talmud describes is simply by the way we act, where we stand as God's representatives, knowing that we are God's chosen people, God has given us his commandments, so we are God's representatives. If we act in a way that people makes people look negatively at us, it desecrates God, because people say these are God's people, look at the way they are acting. If we, if we act in a way that people admire and look up to and appreciate, then that brings re uh, respect for God. So a simple one explanation as to what it means to be holy and to make God holy is to simply act in a way that makes God holy or that people rec recognize um, that God's people um, are acting in a positive way. But there's also another uh, more detailed explanation. Uh, there is another, uh, another explanation to what it means to make God holy, and that is to be prepared to sacrifice our lives for Judaism, for God or for Judaism, or what is called in English martyrdom, um, to sacrifice for being Jewish. Um, now, there has been martyrdom throughout in many, um, in many religions, in many cultures. Um, martyrs were um, considered holy or special or even worshipped in some cultures. Um, Judaism puts a very great premium or greatly um, sees martyrdom as a very important part of Judaism. In other words, dying for Judaism, being prepared to die for Judaism. But as we'll see, though we consider uh, martyrdom to be a very great thing, and martyrs, people that died because they were Jewish or gave up their life for Judaism, are considered very um, holy and very special, as we will see. Nevertheless, Judea in Judaism, we don't seek it. We don't look to be a martyr. Rather, as we'll see, Judaism values life. Now, when a person's ready to die for their beliefs, it's a sign that it's more valuable for, to them than anything else, even than their own life. You can only live for something that you are prepared to die for. In other words, something that is truly more valuable than anything else, you'd be prepared to do any, anything for, including to give up your life for. So Torah is and Judaism is central to our life. Torah is who we are. And therefore, as a Jew, God instructs us that we should be prepared to do anything to preserve the Torah. Because we cannot live without the Torah. In the days of the great sage Rabbi Akiva, the Romans forbade the practice of Judaism. We'll soon talk about it more in detail. But the Romans forbade the, pra the practice of Judaism during the, great, the days of Rabbi Akiva. And um, as a result, the, um, um, as, um, as a, however, Rabbi Akiva continued, was a Torah teacher, and continued to teach Torah publicly. And one time a friend of his, Papus ben Yehuda, came to Rabbi Akiva and asked Rabbi Akiva, how can you continue to teach Torah when the punishment of, for doing so today under Roman rule is death? 
How can you um, publicly continue to teach Torah? And so Rabbi Akiva answered with a famous parable. He said there was once a uh, there was once a fox that came to the river, and he saw the fish were swimming very quickly. And he asked the fish, "Where are you going?" And the fish said, "We are running away from the fishermen." So the fox says, "I have an excellent idea. Come with me into the forest, and over there I will hide you from the fishermen." So the fish said, "Foolish fox." If we leave the water, we will certainly die. If we stay in the water, we may live. We may be caught by the fishermen. But if we leave the water, we will certainly die. The same thing said Rabbi Akiva. If we leave Torah, that is certainly no life. If we continue to teach Torah, the Romans may catch us, they may not. But not studying Torah, we will certainly die. And so... Um, and so um, being prepared to give up our lives, lives for Judaism is a very um, powerful thing and a very central part of Judaism. In fact, martyrdom, being prepared to give up one's life for Judaism, goes back to our forefather Abraham. The Midrash tells us that when Abraham was young, he discovered God on his own. He discovered that there must be a monotheistic God um, on his own, and he rejected idol worship. And he shared his belief in the one God with people around him and taught people about God. And as a result, the Midrash says when he was young, he smashed his father's idols. And so as a result, he was caught and he was thrown into a furnace um, as punishment for rejecting the local paganism, the local religion or the local idols that they had. And um, Abraham refused to give up his beliefs and was prepared to be thrown in a fire for his beliefs. God, of course, miraculously saved him, and that is how Abraham survived. And we are here today, his descendants, to tell the tale. And this began a tradition of martyrdom among our people when we had been threatened at different times throughout history and we had given up our lives for Judaism. Now, in the early years of Judaism, when we first got the Torah, we lived on our own. Other people did not threaten us, but when there were wars, nobody generally threatened Jewish existence or Torah existence. There were times when there were Jewish leaders or Jewish kings, particularly during the days of the kings, that did threaten Torah existence. Um, but we don't have much details about what Jews did to avoid um, or to uh, continue to, to study Torah. But the first time we do have details about Jewish martyrdom is during the Greek rule of Israel under King Antiochus, famous from the Hanukkah story, where um, they forbade Jewish practice in an attempt to forcibly Hellenize Jews or get Jews to adapt to Greek culture, including Jew Greek paganism and Greek mythology, and um, turn away from Judaism. And so they made laws forbidding the keeping of Shabbos, um, forbidding kosher, requiring worship of the Greek idols, forbidding circumcision, forbidding the study of Torah. And we are told in the books, um, we have a number of books, both in the Midrash, Midrashim, and um, some Hellenist books, Greek books that were written at the time, um, about Jewish martyrdom. We're told about the great sage, El-Lazar, who, um, um, who refused to eat pork when Greek soldiers tried to force him to do so. 
and um, as a result, he was 99 years old, and as a result, he was killed. We are told about um, Jews that hid in caves in the Judean hills in order to avoid Greek persecution, and um, how one group, large group of Jews were found in their cave um, by the Greeks, and the Greeks, instead of um, trying to force them out or attacking them, the Greeks lit a fire right in front of their cave, their cave on Shabbos in order to um, force them to come out and put out the fire on Shabbos. And the Jews did not do so, and rather they all um, perished instead. And of course the Maccabees themselves risked their lives to fight off the Greeks to allow themselves and the Jews of Israel to continue keeping Judaism. Throughout our history, we've had further times when Jews had been killed for being Jewish. One notable period was during the second century, under the reign of the Emperor Hadrian, when the story we told earlier about Rabbi Akiva took place. At that time, this was following the second rebellion of Jews in Israel against the Romans, the Bar Kokhba rebellion, after it had been put down by the Romans. The Romans attempted to stamp out Jews and Judaism from the Roman Empire. And so all Jewish practice was forbidden, including the keeping of Shabbos, teaching Torah, practicing circumcision, wearing tefillin, prayer, and just about every form of Jewish practice was outlawed, or visible Jewish practice was outlawed during this period. Many Jews continue to practice Judaism, and in the Talmud and the Midrash, we have dozens of different stories scattered throughout the Talmud and Midrash of Jews who sacrificed their lives in order to continue practicing Judaism during this period known as Shemad, which is, um, which is Hebrew for destruction. And uh, notably, ten of the greatest sages at the time were killed. Um, these great sages are known as the Asara Haruge Malchus, the ten that were killed by the kingdom, by the Roman Empire. Um, and they included the great sage Rabbi Akiva, and they were killed during this period. We read about them on, during our Yom Kippur prayers. And so Judaism throughout, Jews throughout the years continued to sacrifice um, for Judaism, both when they were, um, both where they were given an option to, are forbidden from practicing Judaism, and they sacrificed to practice Judaism regardless, as well as times when Jews were killed, not even being given a choice, just killed because they were Jewish. This was particularly true um, in Christian lands. Well, Jews lived in Christian lands from the early days when Rome adopted Christianity in the 300s. Um, it was only later, due to uh, Muslim persecution in the 900s um, the, and the beginning of the next millennium, 1000s, when Jews moved in very large numbers um, to Christian lands and um, where into Spain and Germany, um, France, and Western Europe, where they lived in very, very large numbers. And that began a thousand years of Christian persecution. Um, and there were regular pogroms, there were regular attacks or anti-Jewish riots. It was the norm. Often in these riots, Jews would be threatened with either converting to Judaism or die. And almost always Jews chose to die, sorry, convert to Christianity or die. And almost always Jews chose to die rather than convert to Christianity. Perhaps most notably was during the Crusaders, the First Crusade in 1096, uh, made its way through Germany, um, across Europe, 
And as they did, they stopped in every Jewish community along the way, and they destroyed, they murdered every Jew that they could find, killing tens of thousands of Jews and destroying many of the large Jewish community at the, communities at the time. Many of the subsequent crusaders did the same as they traveled through Europe on their way to the Holy Land, killed Jews um, throughout, um, throughout Europe, destroying many Jewish communities. Later in the 1300, there were regular outbreaks of violence. Um, often there were libels against Jews for um, uh, being accused of poisoning the wells or being accused of um, slaughtering a Christian child, often to bake matzah. And um, they were often uh, accused of stealing the wafers and wine from the church and the like. And so, and there were often riots against Jews in the same way. And many, many Jews were killed as a result. Um, in 1391, there were terrible riots across Spain, and uh, many, many Jews were killed. Many were forcibly converted, but then continued to practice Judaism on the pain of death. Um, later, um, Jews were eventually, during the Black Death, also in the 1300s, um, which a, um, a another epidemic or pandemic that spread across Europe, Jews were accused of spreading the Black, uh, the black Plague, and as a result, um, large Jew many Jewish communities were killed as well. And so we suffered martyrdom throughout the years. Um, they are um, the rabbis or Jewish leaders in the um, 1200s actually composed a prayer that we recite every Shabbos before the Musaf of Harachamim, which asks God to um, uh, which uh, which asks God to remember the martyrs and all those who have been killed. Um, in sanctifying God's name, Akdushat Hashem, sanctifying God's name, and also ask God to punish those who have um, harmed our people. Later in Eastern Europe, there were also many pogroms, most notably in 1698, there was a Cossack uprising in what was then Poland, and um, the Cossacks um, captured much of Poland, much of Ukraine and Poland, and wherever they went in every place they came to, they murdered all the Jews, um, again giving them the option to convert to Christianity or die, and again Jews almost always chose to die rather than to reject Judaism. Most notable in our generation was the Holocaust, where six million Jews were killed, they were not really given an option over there um, to convert out um, to another religion, they were killed simply because they were Jewish, even those that had previously converted to Christianity, were still killed um, by the Germans. There were, of course, other examples in our lifetime, the 20th century, um, of Jews who were killed for Jewish practice or for being Jewish, most notably in the Soviet Union. Um, in the Soviet Union, while on the books it was legal to practice Judaism, in reality, Jewish practice was not um, accepted, and um, tens of thousands of Jews were killed for um, circumcision, for um, circumcising their children, for ritual slaughter, for shechita, um, for teaching Torah to, to their own children, sending their children to, Jew to Jewish underground schools, for teaching Torah to other children. Um, rabbis were killed, and even just for practice, for keeping Shabbos, um, people were, many Jews were killed, and tens of thousands of Jews were killed in the Soviet Union um, for Jewish practice. So we Jews, in, or Judaism, as we have seen, has a very, very long history of martyrdom. Millions, um, many, many millions of Jews have been killed for Jewish belief, 
for Jewish practice or simply because they were Jews over um, our long history, over our 3,000 year history. Now, to be clear, in Judaism, we usually do everything we can to save lives. So in Judaism, we consider saving a life to be more important than almost anything else. And we are prepared to transgress the commandments and almost any commandment in order to save a life. In fact, in this week's parsha, in the first one in Acharei, it tells us, we are commanded to live by the Torah, meaning that we should do anything that it takes to save a life, even if that means transgressing the Torah's commandment. So if somebody is sick, and the only way to help them is by transgressing the Shabbos, we would desecrate the Shabbos in order to save somebody who is sick. It happened to me. I once did it. My oldest child was born on Yom Kippur. That happened to that year also be Shabbos. And my wife was in labor because it is not safe and we definitely were not um, ready to do it to have give birth at home without proper medical attention and proper medical care. We therefore went in a car and um, drove to the hospital on Yom Kippur and Shabbos. Um, and my wife, who was Alta, who was um, giving birth, um, drank and ate on, well, I don't think she ate, but she drank on Yom Kippur in order, um, because um, she, needed the, she needed liquid in her body. And so um, even though it would be desecrating the laws of Yom Kippur, we are allowed to do so in order to save a life. In the same way, we're allowed to eat, not only allowed, we're required to eat non-kosher if a life is in danger, if there's nothing else to eat, for example, or if one needs to eat non-kosher um, as a remedy in order to heal themselves, they are allowed to eat non-kosher. And in the same way, we are allowed to, to desecrate or to break almost any law in the Torah in order to save a life. So if someone, in the same way, if someone threatens us, transgress a law of the Torah, or I will harm you in some way or another, we must be prepared, I will kill you, sorry, we must be, I will take your life, we must be prepared to transgress the Torah in order to live. However, there are three exceptions to that rule. Though always we are prepared to transgress the laws of the Torah in order to live, there are three exceptions to that rule. The first exception is for the three cardinal prohibitions of the Torah. There are three cardinal prohibitions for which we must be prepared to die rather than transgress. The first one is the prohibition of rejecting God or worshiping idols. We are forbidden from worshiping idols or even rejecting God or Judaism verbally. And we, are, we have to be prepared to give up our lives not to do so. So for our ancestors who time and again were threatened to convert to Christianity, accept Christian beliefs, um, or um, rejecting Judaism, or die, chose time and again to reject Jewish belief, to reject Christianity and die rather than reject their Judaism. 
they were prepared to die and not reject Judaism, um, not to turn away from Judaism. So that is the first cardinal sin for which one must be prepared to do anything um, in order to, must be prepared to, um, uh, to die for rather than transgress, rejecting Judaism, rejecting God. The second cardinal sin is any of the sexual prohibitions of the Torah, which happen to also be in this week's parsha. Um, it is forbidden to transgress any of the sexual prohibitions of the Torah, um, even if um, someone's life is in danger. Now, to be clear, the Talmud makes it clear that a woman who is being raped is not required to kill herself rather than um, transgress because um, she is not doing anything. She is not transgressing. She is not actively doing anything. The prohibition is to actively do something. However, if threatened to transgress one of the Torah's sexual prohibitions, or you would be killed, um, or if somehow, and I don't know if there's any scenario where this is even possible, someone's life was in danger and the only way to save them would be by transgressing a, Torah, a sexual transgression of the Torah, it would be absolutely forbidden to transgress. One should be prepared to die rather than transgress a sexual transgression. And the third cardinal sin is murder. It is forbidden to kill anyone to save your own life. If someone says, kill that person or I will kill you, you cannot kill that person to save yourself. Or for that matter, um, if um, the only way to save yourself was somehow by killing somebody else, you cannot kill somebody else to save yourself. The only exception is if that other individual was threatening your life. So if someone is threatening your life, they are called a rodef, and um, you must, you may and must kill somebody who is threatening you. We will be doing a class in a couple weeks forward, I don't have the date offhand, on the laws of rodef, on when one, someone is threatening your life, um, what you can do and, what, uh, and how you can respond um, according to Jewish law. However, um, unless some, if the other person is not directly threatening your life, but the only way to save your life is by killing another person, or if a third person threatens you that they will kill you if you don't, unless you kill another, another person, um, it is forbidden to kill someone in order to save your life. So again, the three cardinal sins that we must be prepared to die for rather than transgress are rejecting Judaism, sexual transgression, or murder. We must be prepared to give up our lives rather than transgress these three prohibitions. Um, again, there's an exception to sexual transgression if you're not actively doing it, such as a woman being raped. There's an exception to murder if the person whom is threatened, that you may kill the person who is actively threatening you. But for those three, other than those two exceptions, for those three, we must be prepared to die rather than transgress. Generally, our ancestors throughout history who were, are, are, who were mar martyred, and I think it is safe to say, given that, um, there were millions of Jews throughout our history who were killed for being Jewish. I think we can say that every Jew alive today is a direct descendant of a Jew who was murdered um, for being Jewish, uh, of a martyr. And um, so they are our ancestors. And so, um, and generally they gave up their lives to um, not to reject Judaism. Now, that is one scenario when Jews must be prepared to sacrifice for Judaism. We said generally it is forbidden to 
um, die, rather we break any Torah law, almost any Torah law, in order to save a life. However, we, we are prepared to sacrifice our lives for the three cardinal sins of Judaism, rejecting God or Judaism, sexual prohibitions, and murder. That is the first scenario under which we have to be prepared to die rather than transgress. The second scenario is, if a Jew is asked publicly to transgress a mitzvah to show their rejection of Judaism. So that even if they are not asked to publicly reject God or reject Judaism or embrace another religion, but they are simply asked to eat non-kosher or to desecrate the Shabbos or to transgress some other Torah commandment publicly in order to show their rejection of Judaism. So that is in effect, their rejection of Judaism, and even though they are rejecting another, they are transgressing another commandment, not one of the three cardinal sins, they are forbidden to do so. A third scenario of when we are forbidden to, when we must be prepared to sacrifice our lives rather than reject Judaism, is in a situation known as shmad. Shmad is literally destruction when there is an effort to stamp out Judaism. So when Jew Jewish practice has been outlawed and um, there is an effort to stamp out Judaism, we must be prepared to sacrifice for any Jewish commandment. And so that is why during the days of the Greeks, which was a period of Shemad, um, we mentioned earlier, Jews were prepared to die not to eat non-kosher, not to desecrate the Shabbos, even though normally in a regular time you would be required to eat non-kosher or desecrate the Shabbos to save a life. However, in the time of, of Shemad, when there is an effort to stamp out Judaism, we are forbidden, from, we are required to transgress any and every commandment, we are, sorry, we are required to be prepared to die, not to transgress any and every commandment. The same was also in the days of Rabbi Akiva during the period of, when, of the Roman Shemad when Rabbi Akiva taught Torah and many others sacrificed to wear tefillin or to circumcise their children um, or for other mitzvahs, even though they are not the three cardinal sins. Nevertheless, because it was a period of Shemad, they were prepared to risk their lives and sacrifice their lives in order not to transgress these other commandments. The same was true um, also during the period of the Inquisition in Spain, and the same was also true more recently in the Soviet Union, where um, there was an active effort to stamp out Jewish practice. Jews sacrificed their lives to teach Torah, to um, send their children to study Torah, to circumcise, to slaughter, and um, for many, many other mitzvahs. So in these, these are three scenarios in which we have to be prepared to sacrifice. While generally we value life over any commandment and are prepared to transgress any commandment to save a life, in these three scenarios, either for the three cardinal sins of not rejecting Judaism, sexual prohibition of murder, or when someone, a Jew is publicly asked to transgress a mitzvah to show their rejection of Judaism, or in a period of Shemad, we must be prepared to die rather than transgress. The Talmud tells us that there were, there was in the town of Lod, under Roman rule, there were two brothers called, um, the Talmud tells us that in the town of Lod, under Roman rule, there was a time when the Roman governor's daughter was murdered. And the Romans decided Lod was a majority Jewish city. The Romans decided that it must have been the Jews 
that murdered the Roman governor's daughter. And so the Romans were not necessarily rational, especially the way they treated Jews. And so the Roman governor declared that if the Jews of Lod did not give over, hand over the murderers, the entire city would be killed. Every Jew in the city would be killed. And so the Talmud tells us there were two brothers, um, um, Papus and Lulinus, who stepped forward, although they themselves were, they were two um, members of the community, they were not, um, they were not the murderers, they had not done it, very likely it was not even committed by a Jew, they stepped forward and confessed to the murder in order to save the rest of the city. So they sacrificed their own lives in order to save the rest of um, the rest, all the other Jews of the city of Lod. The Talmud tells us that later, um, the uh, great sage of Yeshua ben Levi um, um, spoke with Elijah the prophet, who he would get regular um, revelations from, who told him that Papus and Lolinus got a portion in the world to come, in Ganeden, which is where a soul goes after um, death, um, in order to, um, as part of the reward for their action here in this world, and they stand in a place, they are on such a level, that even the great, most righteous people cannot stand. And so um, Haruge Lud, those that were killed in Lod, Papus and Lolina, stand in a place where no one else stands. And so later sages say that this statement of the Talmud regarding these two people who sacrificed in order to save other Jews is true for all Jews who die for Judaism, whether because they are Jewish, to save other Jews, or sacrificing their lives rather than reject Judaism. In all of these instances, these people are people that do so, Jewish martyrs, are called Kedoshim, are called holy ones, um, and the, what the, their act is called Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God or making God holy, um, and they are called Kedoshim, holy ones, and they stand um, in a place where no one else stands, to the point that even people who have done lots of bad in their lifetime, bad people who have done bad things throughout their lifetime, they still, um, they, uh, even people who have done bad throughout their lifetime, they still, um, when, uh, when, they, um, uh, when they give up their life for being Jewish, they get a direct portion in the world to come. The um, Midrash tells us about a um, Jew called Yosef who um, joined the Greeks. He was a Hellenist Jew. And he joined the Greeks in their attempt to um, stamp out Judaism. And the Midrash tells us that this Yosef was um, uh, that this Yosef what went into what went with the Greeks when they came to the Holy Temple to pillage the temple. The Greeks were afraid to go into the temple, so they called the Jew Yosef. And they told him, you go into the temple and you can take out whatever you want. The first thing you take out is yours to keep. And so he went into the temple and inside he saw the beautiful golden menorah, which was a gigantic menorah made of pure gold. 
and he picked up the menorah and he brought it out to keep for himself. It's worth a lot of money. And so when the, um, when the Greek general who was leading the pillage of the temple saw it, he said, oh no, something that magnificent belongs to me. You go back in and you take the next thing that you want is yours. And at that point, suddenly Yosef had an epiphany and um, he had what we call a hirut shuva, a thought of repentance. And he said, it's enough, I already angered my God one time. I cannot do it again. And the, the general got upset at him and said, you better go back in or you will be severely punished. And Yosef said, I cannot go back in. I cannot um, reject my, um, I cannot uh, anger my God again. And they, um, as a result, uh, because of that, he had Yosef killed a torturous death, tying him to horses and having him dragged through the streets. And the whole time Yosef was saying, it was enough. I angered my God one time. I cannot anger him again. And so this is, again, a man who was wicked, bad in his lifetime, but died as a Jew, died refusing to anger God. And so such a person, and the many Kedoshim, those who have died, even if they've done bad in their lifetime, um, in their death, they are, um, in their death, Al-Kidosh Hashem, sanctifying God, they, um, uh, in their death, they um, atone for everything they have done in their lifetime, and they get immediately a portion in the world to come. And indeed, because it is a mitzvah, it is one, hundred, one, of, one of our 613 commandments, to be prepared to give your life for God. And we actually speak of it in our Shema prayer. The opening of the Shema prayer after the first line says, Hashem You shall love God with all your heart, with all your soul. And our sages say, with all your soul means with your life. You should love God so much, you should be prepared to give your life for God. And so, therefore, since it is one of the 613 commandments, although we don't seek it, many of our sages always um, hoped or wished for it, wished to be able to fulfill this mitzvah. In fact, the Talmud tells us that the great sage Rabbi Akiva, he was eventually caught by the Romans, and he was killed, killed publicly. And his students were brought and forced to watch Rabbi Akiva being killed. And Rabbi Akiva was killed, the Romans killed him, they tortured him to death, by, they, tor uh, they tortured him to death by um, flaying him um, with iron combs. And as Rabbi Akiva was being killed, he was smiling. And his students said, the Talmud describes, his students said to him, Rabbi, uh, Ad Khan, Rabbi, so much, you're smiling as they're torturing you. And Rabbi Akiva answered to them, my entire life, I read the verse, you shall love God with all your soul, which means with your life. And I was always thinking, when will I have a chance to show God that I love him with my life? And now I am having a chance to fulfill this mitzvah. And much later sage, Rav Yosef Karo, most famous for his compilation of the Shulchan Aruch, the classical code of Jewish law, um, Rav Yosef Karo would regularly um, was met by um, what was called the Magid, or an angel that would come and teach him. 
and he wrote a book later of all the teachings that, he, that this angel had taught him called Magid Mesharim. And he writes that at one point the Magid told him, this teacher told him, that he would, that he was destined to die um, Al-Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name. He was destined to die for being Jewish. However, God changed. The decree was changed and he would no longer die for being Jewish. And Rav Yosef Karo was very disappointed for having lost that opportunity because he missed that unique opportunity to die for being Jewish. So though it is a great thing, we still, of course, do not seek to give up our lives. And while we greatly, while we hold the martyrs, those that did die for Judaism, like Rabbi Akiva, in very great esteem, um, we don't, and while we believe that they stand in a place in Ghanaian higher than anybody else, we don't celebrate martyrdom. We don't, martyrdom is not central to Judaism in a way that we celebrate it, or that people that die for Judaism um, become celebrated saints, because we don't seek to give up our lives. We value life. We don't value death. Kiddush Hashem is a mitzvah that we do when we are forced to do it. But we want to avoid to have to be in such a situation. Nobody wants to be in a situation where they have to give up their life. Everybody wants to live. We would like to live and fulfill Torah while living. In Torah more than in Judaism more than anything else, we value life. And the greatest thing is to continue living, to be able to continue doing more mitzvot. So while it is a unique thing to give up one's sacrifice, one's life for Judaism, and while Jewish martyrs stand in a very, very high place spiritually, and uh, while it is a very powerful mitzvah, yet our desire is to live, not to die. Judaism values life, not death. And so we do everything we can to preserve a life um, including um, transgressing almost any commandment to preserve a life, but if necessary, if placed in a situation where we are threatened or in a place where we have to choose between Judaism or death, we choose death. We never give up Judaism. If called to sacrifice, we must be prepared to do it. So thankfully today, we no longer, we live in a time where we no longer need to sacrifice for Judaism. We live in a place where we can freely practice Judaism. Um, we, have, we don't need to sacrifice at all. Thankfully today, um, I don't believe there is anywhere in the world today where pra Jewish practice is outlawed and where people have to practice have to practice Judaism underground or have to risk their lives for Jewish practice. Um, Thankfully, today we can practice Judaism here in the United States as well as anywhere in the world, um, other than perhaps Israeli soldiers who are sacrificing daily um, to keep their people safe, to keep Jew the people of Israel safe. But other than that, we don't sacrifice for Judaism anymore. Yet it's important to remember that sacrifice, or what's called in Hebrew, misirut nefesh, giving up one's life, remains an important value in Judaism. And that's because we must know that if we are expected to sacrifice our lives for God, we should, can definitely sacrifice the small things for God. We can sacrifice the smaller things in our lives or even the bigger things in our lives for God. If we have to be prepared to sacrifice our lives, we should be prepared to sacrifice small parts of our lives, or even big parts of our lives for God. Often it is more difficult 
The Rebbe often would address um, individuals who came out of the Soviet Union, where in the Soviet Union they had risked their lives in order to continue practicing Judaism. And um, many of whom were caught and set in the gulags and the prison camp system for many years and were tortured because of their practice of Judaism. But once they came out into the free world and were no longer threatened, they found it hard to give up certain comforts for the sake of a mitzvah or for the sake of Judaism. And the Rebbe often pointed out how for many people it was a lot easier, um, counterintuitively, but it was easier for them to sacrifice when it was forbidden, when it was dangerous, than it was to sacrifice comforts of life when, um, it is, when there's no danger involved. And so it's important to remember that we need, if we have to be prepared to sacrifice for Judaism, we need to be prepa- prepared to sacrifice the comforts of life for Judaism. Be prepared to sacrifice um, in order to do a mitzvah, in order to keep kosher, to keep Shabbat. It may be difficult in order to, to go to, to, for Jewish prayer, um, for many other mitzvahs, for festivals, for holidays, um, for other mitzvahs that are required, even um, to help others. We have to be prepared to sacrifice for it, even if it can be uncomfortable, even if it is costly, even if we have to give up comforts of our life, even if we put ourselves at risk it's not a life risk, maybe risk, risking some of our comforts or some of our finances in order to do, um, in order to follow a mitzvah, we must be prepared to do so. I often hear from Jews here in the South Bay who, when I ask them to put up a mezuzah in their home, I'm often surprised how many Jews do not yet have mezuzahs on their home. When they ask them to put a mezuzah on their home, they are afraid that it will attract anti-Semitism. And so I always remind them that their grandparents who lived in Europe around anti-Semites regularly faced pogroms and it was dangerous to be identified as a Jew, had mezuzahs on their doors and were not afraid. And us living in a safe environment where it's very, very rare, though unfortunately it happens that someone is killed because they're Jewish, and Most of us don't personally know a single anti-Semite. And yet, we cannot sacrifice or be prepared to take that little risk to do a mitzvah. So if Jews are prepared to sacrifice, were prepared and were throughout the years prepared to sacrifice to do a mitzvah, every one of us are almost certainly descendants of somebody who died because they were Jewish and sacrificed for Judaism. We can give up a little comfort or little of our finances, or take a little risk in order to do a mitzvah. So I encourage you to, um, do, to do whatever it takes, try to follow God's commandments, even if it takes a little sacrifice. And through that sacrifice, hopefully, uh, we will soon discover that it actually pays to follow Torah and mitzvah. And over the long term, as Rabbi Akiva said, this is our life. And as a result, if we truly follow the Torah and we truly follow um, its commandments, we'll actually gain from it. And we'll see that life is better as a result. And what we thought was discomforts or what we thought was pain is not truly discomfort, is not truly pain. And it actually pays and we are better off following the Torah. And I think we will discover that as we do try to follow the Torah. 
So I invite you all to join. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us next week. We will have firstly classes throughout the week. Um, we'll do tomorrow morning on Psalms and we'll do Tuesday morning on Kabbalah. Um, we're starting our Kabbalah group um, Tuesday night. And then um, Thursday night we have a um, Holocaust survivor, the youngest survivor of Schindler's List, will be speaking to our community on Zoom. I invite you all to sign up for that. There's limited space and you need to register in advance. It's filling up very quickly. Um, the way we sent out, it's in the email we sent out on Friday um, and also we posted it on the WhatsApp um, group. And um, next week on Sunday, we will talk about, um, very relevant today, um, end of life care, the Jewish perspective on end of life care.